Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fucking shattered. Taken to tiny pieces. Pul- pulverized, I think, more than broken. Broken broken suggests that with a modicum of super glue and some tender loving care, maybe any of the people from Money for Nothing, you know, the bearded ones mostly in the big warehouses, I could be put back together. Maybe also, you know, I in Bagpuss's house or something, but no, I don't think I'm beyond broken. I think I'm pulverized, sent to the four corners of the earth, dashed into tiny fragments, never to be recomposed. I can't believe that you thought up until this point you could be fixed. Yeah, I know. Fucking delusory, isn't it? But there you oh. go. Um, I was meant to take the dog out for a shit and I forgot, so now I've got to hope that she doesn't shit for the next hour. Here's hoping. How do you think? Well, Ethel is exemplary in that respect. She never shits on screen. No. Shits on screen. But if she did. Her own little box where she does that. Is she, oh, is she a house cat? Yeah, yeah, she's a house cat, yeah. Oh, We've talked about this on the pod because she's yeah. never felt the touch of a man cat. That's right. That's right. She's never allowed out, is she? She sat just the other side of the laptop at the moment. She'll pop in in a sec. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And I hope you've enjoyed the little mini episodes we put out during the first episode. I say we, Daniel, did all of them. I popped up drunk during one. I think Finney was involved in... I did three of them. You did three out of five. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. What about Cody? Say, say thank you to Cody. Thanks, Jeremy, sake. even though you don't listen to this. Thanks, Jeremy, no, even though you don't listen to he this. He doesn't listen. He doesn't need to listen. He just needs to be there. And if necessary, I'll just do him. And he kept I'll calling me, me in the toilet saying, am I going to keep having to do your fucking job for you? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> did he? Fair point, mate. Yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, he was doing oh, all the work and seeing none of the marginal, marginal, marginal pathetic profits. So. Actually, fuck that. He saw plenty of the marginal, marginal, marginal pathetic profits because he's staying with me using yeah. my hot water in a cost of living crisis and my dishwasher. And my general largesse. I love him. I love him dearly. 
Thank you to Jeremy. Thank you to you two. Uh, and I thought I was excellent in the one podcast I vaguely remember presenting. We are intending to try and put out an episode, a little mini episode at the end of every single day's play during the men's ashes. So please keep an eye out for that. Now, I know that yeah. you two did an immediate reaction to the ridiculous first test that we all saw. But now that you've had a bit of time to reflect and recover, Stephen Finn, I'll come to you. I'm fascinated, Finney, actually, by your reaction to an England defeat like that because... You're a you're a grumpy bastard at the best of times, but also you're consistently grumpy. What I like about you is I reckon you'd look as miserable. Well, uh, I rarely see the light side of life, to be quite quite frank. Well, exactly, you know, and exactly. The, so I reckon you'd look as miserable, um, you know, on a roller coaster the, as you would at a funeral. I don't. Well, think I wouldn't go on a roller coaster first and foremost because you'll end up having a funeral. Yeah, fuck me. I'm with Finney all the way there. I mean, roller coasters and funerals. They're, they're Not in 2023. I, I, I prefer funerals. Funerals are fun. You go to a funeral, you find out all sorts of shit about dead people because you can't libel the dead. So people tell tell you everything. Roller coasters, you're just anticipating your own demise. Okay. Finney would look as happy gazing at Ethel's arse as he ah. would be at a funeral. That does actually make me smile, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And funerals, not so much? Uh, no, I, I haven't smiled at the few funerals that I've um, that I've been to. I guess it depends whose it is as well. If, well, it, was, it, if it was Graham Smith's, yeah. Finney, you'd be grinning ear to ear. I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> well, it's all about wishing it on them. It's an inevitable result of human existence, isn't yeah. it? It's fucking entropy. I mean, let's, let's not be coy about this. We all die. <laughs> This is why they tune into this podcast, to be reminded of their inevitable death. Thank you very much for listening. But genuinely, Finney, because oh, I watched a video of Alistair Cook reacting to England's loss off the and his reaction to the last ball. It doesn't help. He's got Jim Maxwell shouting in his left ear. But Alistair Cook looks absolutely fuming when England <laughs> lose that test match. He looks like he's still out there playing. Uh, in fact, he looks grumpier because he doesn't, I think he forgot there was a camera on him. Genuinely, as somebody who's played for England and had lots of success with England, does it does it hurt you when England lose? Because it hurt me as a fan. Oh, it, it, yeah, it hurts. I mean, you want England to go one up in the series, I think, because I thought it was important for their chances in this series to go one up and beat this Australian team. I mean, Dan's shaking his head there as if yeah, he's a fucking no, oracle of knowledge. Go no, on. no, no. Well, I, I, I'm just saying that I don't think it does matter that much, actually. I think very much like in 2005, England proved that they are the equal of Australia. They played a game not to the, the, the best of, of their skills. You know, Moeen Ali, bless him, was asked to bowl 29 overs and so wasn't a useful bowler in the second inning. So England were a bowler down there. Stokes has got a problem with his knee. The worst possible conditions for Anderson. Broad and Ollie Robinson carried the attack unbelievably superbly. Root bowl fantastically. England batted way more dynamically. And they ended up losing the same number of wickets and and had one fewer run. They made all the running all the way through. And it makes you think that they're actually going to go toe-to-toe with Australia. And England have lost the first test matches of iconic series in 1981 at Trent Bridge, for example. 2005 at Lords. I don't think they did need to win this game. And I think they did... I thought they showed that they were the equal of Australia, if not potentially better with all the things that went on, the little mistakes they made. They made more mistakes than Australia and yet were, you know, on top. But they lost it. And so in the aftermath of it and in the moment of it, it's kind of deflating. Doesn't mean to say that it doesn't, they won't win the next game or three other games, but it is unbelievably deflating watching that happen. 
And what deflated us most, I think it was a pitch. If you were there watching it for five fucking days. I might just log off. Pitch. I'm going to log off here. Oh, I, Finny, I'll, I'll see you later, lads. I'd like to point out this was a uh, question for Finny. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. He's logged off. Look what you did to the star oh, of our podcast, oh, Daniel. No. Tell him. I'll go, shall I? I'll go. No, you... no, no. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> okay. You, okay. I'll, I'll do. I'll take it from here, lads. What, what's that, Daniel? We'll just try it. See what happens. If I go and you tell him I've gone, then he can come back. Okay. You leave. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Hello, everyone. So now it's just me. Uh, so, oh, good. He's come back immediately. I didn't even have to tell him. There he is. Hey, Finney. Where's Norcross? <laughs> he decided to leave as well. <laughs> well, he decided that if he left, you might be happy to come back. And I was going to message you saying Daniel's left. But it was like you <laughs> knew the second he logged off, it said Stephen Finn is logging in. This is perfect. Uh, so, Finney, you know, as an ex-England player who's won it all, uh, are you sad when England lose test matches like that? <laughs> yes. Naturally, you're disappointed because... I thought it was important that England won the first test match in this series, um, especially when Australia had beaten India and got confidence from that the week before. But it was a fascinating test match. I think either way that it fell, I think both supporters or both teams were going to be happy with how the game transpired in the end um, and, and that England just came out on the wrong side of it. It is naturally disappointing as an ex-England player, but um, but it is a long series, uh, and I think it's gonna. I think it has proved that it's going to be gripping all the way through, regardless of which uh, which way it falls. I mean, I I hate doing this, but it's one of those games where any tight game like that, you can look at a thousand different things. If Moeen Ali's finger hadn't started to fall off, if Johnny Bairstow hadn't had a bit of a mare behind the stumps, uh, you know, people will say if Ben Stokes hadn't declared when he did, blah, 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 blah. If we hadn't dropped lots of catches, etc. But ultimately, at the end there, the only time I actually thought the whole test match England were definitely going to win was ironically when we needed to get two wickets of 52 runs remaining. And that's when they didn't. That's when Cummins and Lyon batted really well. But I hate to compliment Australia in any way. But Cummins and Lyon batted really well. What you can't account for is Pat Cummins, okay, decent bat. You know, he's obviously, especially in the IPL, has shown glimpses of being a hell of a bat. But Nathan Lyon's shot over mid-on is one of the greatest under-pressure shots I, I can ever remember. It was Especially like... when Ollie Robinson had said 9, 10 and 11 are three <laughs> number 11 in the press conference. There might have been some added determination from... Oh. Um, from Nathan Lyon there. I, you know, I mean, the funny thing about Ollie Robinson is he has the behaviour of a man who bowls 95 miles an hour, but he's running in and bowling 77 mile an hour bouncers that seem to actually quite weirdly work. And he did bowl very, very well. But um, he's a fascinating one. Oh, here comes Daniel Norcross. It worked, Daniel. Your plan worked. The second you disappeared, Finney, Finney returned triumphantly. <laughs> he, didn't even, he didn't even need me to message him saying, Dan's gone. It was like he could tell. You literally logged off and immediately Finney came back on. And look how happy he is. I've never seen him looking so happy. Uh, but Ollie Robinson, Finney, he's a fascinating one, Ollie Robinson, isn't that? There is a man who I think speaks before he thinks. But the him giving Kawaja a send-off or whatever, I couldn't care less about that. No, no one can. And the Aussies didn't. That's that's the silly thing. Everyone else was crying about it. But the Australians were like, yeah, fair enough. You, yeah. you get fired up when you take a wicket. I mean, even when you bowl absolute powder puffs like you do you still get fired up and celebrate when you take a wicket 
And even more so when it's a fella who's got 170 and you've just nailed and executed a plan that you had to him to get him out. So, yeah, I mean, you, you never want to see people swearing and, and abusing anything in people's faces. But like a passionate release, I've got no problem with whatsoever. I mean, I've been hauled in front of uh, match referees before for screaming in people's faces. And it's, it is sort of... It's not part and parcel of the game because you don't want to do it every time you get a wicket, but sometimes you literally cannot help in the immediate aftermath of taking a wicket, but react in in a certain way. I completely agree because I, 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 I don't think when bowlers... I know he he aimed it at Kawaja, but it's kind of not at Kawaja. It's not about it's it's at, it's it's a sort of anger and ecstasy at the same time all rolled into one when he's taken a wicket. There could be anyone batting at that point. He was just delighted to have taken that wicket, but he's and a executed the plan more yeah. like, more so. Like they took Kawaja out of his comfort zone, put that umbrella field in on both sides of the wicket, and then executed a perfect Yorker when Kawaja had come out of his comfort zone and dance down the wicket to try and put him off his length. So the plan worked um, and they took a wicket first ball that they'd tried the plan. So yeah, it's it's just, it's this release. I, I would say it, it feels like a release when you take a wicket like that. I, I feel like the thing is with Ollie Robson though, is that if you're going to say all this stuff, like once you get past Cummins, you've got three number 11s and you're going to have a, bit of a to and fro with uh, Kawaja in the second innings as well, where Jimmy Anderson, of all people, the grumpiest man in the world, you know it's bad when Jimmy Anderson has to drag you away. That's like Ted Bundy telling you that he doesn't think you're a very nice person. So <laughs> <it's>, on, That <laughs> might actually be the first actually decent simile you've done on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's you definitely much. thought about that one as well. For the last you know, 48 hours. You know what? That was off the cuff, and I quite like that. I'll use that again, seeing as that's got such a rip-roaring reaction from Norcra. Um, but it really... It really is. I mean, but if, if you do that as Ollie Robertson, then you've really got to win test matches and you've really got to bowl well, haven't you, Philly? Yeah, but it's, ugh, it's Ashes cricket. Like, I I don't care about my players showing passion or a bit of sledging or light-hearted. Like, Ollie Robertson doesn't genuinely believe that they're three number 11s, three walking wickets. But for the theatre of it, for the banter of it, he, he said it and he's not scared to say it. And I, I really don't mind it. What do, what, do, what, do, what, do, what are the Australians going to do? I mean, is it that every time you get, get you know, you're out at the hands of an Australian, they don't, they don't do any of that, of course, because they're such lovely people. They don't come charging down the crease screaming, you ain't a prick. No. They say, as Mark Church pointed out, 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 brief candle, life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets this hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. That's what they do, isn't it? They they quote Shakespeare, but and, and they do things in the most gentle and and Neville Cardus away bollocks. Do they? It's just it's Malcolm Con. Malcolm Con wrote a piece. Malcolm Con does that thing. I like Malcolm Con. He's a lovely bloke, but he's just a shit starer. It's what Malcolm Con does. It's it's that why they call him the Con Man. That says the clues of the name. So yeah, I think it's it's all it's all nonsense. And he's the one. He's very good at it. And it, and he gets all so, well all he gets some of the Aussie, Aussie journalists onto it. But I was on the SEN commentary for Australia. Oh, were you? And we, well, uh, yes, and uh, it was it was great actually. I discovered that there's a new uh, the Macca's Feast is back. Did you know the McFeast is back? I Only didn't. for thirty days, I think. But oh, really, I've, I, I mean, I said it roughly eight times every session for five days, and now I'm desperate for a McFeast. 
Who doesn't want a McFeast? I don't think I know what a McFeast is. Oh, it's fantastic. It was, well, it wasn't. You have to say that because you've got long. another four test matches to worry about your no, job. Well, no, only, oh, actually, only two because I'm doing the other two for TMS. And, and, <laughs> but th- my problem is I might suddenly forget <laughs> and mention McFeast. I know, know? I say, oh, Christ, other incredibly large quantities of fast food are available. Do you know, one day, if the if the BBC does get defunded and this current government gets their wish and BBC have to find their money from elsewhere and have to start advertising, I can't wait for the days that Jonathan Agnew has to advertise the McRib. It's going to be, an, it's going to be a beautiful moment, isn't it? It's going to be wonderful. I think he'll do it well. <laughs> I, th- I think like, he will. Yeah. I think he, there's a commercial radio man in there bursting to get McRib! out, I think. McRib! He'll <laughs> blast out. I, I, you know, we can all, all do it. McCafe, 30 years of coffee, fit for an Aussie. And you get to do it in an Australian accent every sort of two or three hours, and no one seems to complain. Coffee fit for an Aussie. I've spent a lot of time with Australians, and they would put anything in their body. I don't think they are. They're not the barometer. They're not the barometer of good tasting food and drink. They're brilliant at breakfast. They've got nothing else to recommend them. Australia has given nothing to this world except breakfast, stroke, brunch. But fair enough. Well, they have given us that, and they've also given us, as I told you the other day, the kryptonite to fucking Basball or Root Riot, as I prefer to call it, which is just keep batting boringly. But if you make a pitch like that, for Christ's sake, you're just letting Kawaja bat. He batted longer than any other Australian has ever batted in England. I thought when I saw Steve Smith bat in 2019, I had put in a shift so strong that I would get a knighthood. I watched all of them. But um, Kawaja, that was it. Was more. It was more than that. I might get House of Lords. Well, you, you can have can Nadine I slip spot. In late? Can I you get? Can, yeah. Can you have yeah, Nadine maybe. spot? Yeah, maybe. Well, it looks like maybe Boris is on his list. Won't be upheld. You can maybe you can get the guy that was in braces dancing in that video that they found. Maybe you can get his peerage. Who knows? Before I move on to talk about the women's match. Anyway, to sum up, it was a ridiculous test match. Uh, I can't wait for the next test. There's two things that I think are abundantly clear. People calling for folks coming back in and chopping and changes. The bowling attack will probably change a little bit. But ultimately, if we've learned one thing about McCullum and Stokes in this short time, is that they will back to the hilt. And McCullum's already said with Bairstow, he will back them to the hilt. And also, well, I, Lawrence I think, Booth, bowling, I think the bowling attack will be the same. Really? Think. I do. I think, I think Anderson and Lords. Broad Bolter, well, Robinson. They'll, they'll play. I think yeah, Woods. Maybe. Head, I think Woods heading the in Old Trafford uh, or Oval. Maybe so, we'll, we'll find out. And also, it depends slightly on Moeen's finger as well. But as Lawrence Booth, friend of the podcast, tweeted, uh, "We'll hear plenty of times between now and Lords that a team who went from one win in seventeen to eleven wins in fourteen isn't doing it right." I do hope Stokes ignores it. Of course, Stokes is going to ignore it. <laughs> I guarantee now they are going to go more aggressive isn't Agreed. that right Stephen Finn yeah, they're yeah, going to double down I've talked to a lot of people today in cricket about it and what they think and I think they will double down yeah they lost to South Africa they got hammered by South Africa last year didn't they where Rabada and Norkia ran wild but yeah I can almost guarantee that they'll be going twice as hard they'll be playing twice as many reverse scoops they'll be bowling twice as many bounces to leg side fields they'll be having all, umbrella fields yeah it's going to be Basball squared, I think, this week or next week at Lords. They might just pick more fit players. That's all they'll do. They'll pick more fit players and they'll probably win. Oh, God, I hope so. Um, one thing I do want to talk about before I move on to the, the women's ashes, which starts this week. If you're listening to this right now, it's probably started. But Cameron Green is rather bloody good 
in gully. Uh, in fact, Daniel Norcross, you described him as the greatest gully fielder of all time. It's because yeah. of his, well, it's because of his reactions and the fact that he catches the bloody thing, but also his six foot seven wingspan in an area where any sort of cut can go in that sort of general mm-hmm. area. Wingspan is very, very important. Yes, we 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 don't, we don't talk about it enough actually. And on the QuickViz database, I can't find um, relative wingspans. But uh, strangely enough, you know, and people forget this, and it's germane to the Edge Baston Test. One of the best gully fielders England ever had was Bob Willis, who was physically not massively dissimilar actually. And Joel Garner for the West Indies was a good gully and fielder. Joel Garner as well, exactly, very similar kind of guys. Uh, incredibly long, extendable arms like Mr. Tickle. But crucially, the other thing all those guys have is weirdly long fingers. I, then it made me think that Monty Panasar looked like a dreadful fielder because we put him at mid-off. But if you smashed the ball out of a gully, who knows? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I, played I think tra- we all know that one, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I played I played a lot of Lord Taverners games in Monty. And you know what always fascinates me at uh, whenever I play charity games is like guys who weren't batsmen, like Matthew Hoggard once yeah. played in the game. They all love playing, don't they? He looked They're unbelievable. Andy he, Caddick. He, yeah. Exactly. Andy Caddick tees off. He scores 50 off 17 balls and stuff like that. Monty Panasol, when he comes and plays Lost Taverners, is still the worst fielder in the side. It's really and quite one of the, And one of the worst batters. And actually. one of the worst. It really is. All the others, I'm like, wow, even though he's a number 11 at test level, he, you know, he's a serious batsman. And then I see Monty and I go, oh no, there's a number 11 at any level. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't think your theory works, but there's, there's theory in there somewhere, Norcross. But it got me wondering, Stephen Finn, I'm going to ask you a question. It can be anyone that you've played with or against, okay? I'm going to let you now build your dream cordon. Ooh. So you're running in, you're bowling on the perfect... What, is in people that I want to actually catch the ball? Or people are... you want to catch oh, the yeah. ball. And through history, through history. So you're, you don't have to be people that you've just played with, although I'm sure there'll be some there. I, I think it's got to be people you've seen up close, Finney. I yeah, that's fine. I can do people I've played with. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you... How many slips and gullies do you want here, Finney? You're bowling your best spell of your life. Four, four slips, I would say. Four slips and a gully. Okay, four yeah. slips and a gully. So talk me through one to four and then your gully. Well, my second slip would be Ollie Rayner. Starts with okay. the, the best, the best slip fielder I played with. He just like Green, actually, very, very similar to Green. Massive reach, massive hands, and just seemed to catch absolutely everything. So he was probably the best slip fielder I ever played with. Batushka um, Raja gave the greatest piece of commentary about Ollie, Ollie Rayner when he described the ball nestling in his giant German-born mitts. They <laughs> are giant German-born mitts, yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. He's, I, and do you know what? Ollie Rayner caught me out when I was on 45 in a charity game and I absolutely smashed that ball and he was a silly bit off. There is no way because I was obviously smashed smashed anything. I'd like to see you smashing something. You ask ask Ollie Rayner, he'll never forget that catch. I can't imagine that that lives long in his memory somehow. Forgive my ignorance, Stephen Finn, but why have you got Ollie Rayner at second slip? Because that's that was his spot. He used a second slip. Okay. And was outstanding at second slip. He tried first for a while, but he wasn't as good at first as he was at second. He just gobbled everything at second. So who's the best first slip then? Because well, the first slip's tricky. Slip? I I can't remember playing ever with an amazing first slip. They've always just been a makeshift first slip. Andrew Strauss wasn't a natural catcher. Alistair Cook wasn't a natural catcher. Uh, your your better catchers tend to go wider. So my third, my three would be Collingwood. 
Just, just like Paul Collingwood. Yeah, um, not Gully, where he's, he's that iconic catch that he takes. But yeah, at third slip. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he took my first ever Test wicket at third slip. Right. In Bangladesh, off Shahadat Hussain, the famous Bangladeshi mm. all rounder. Another, another, another good, big scalp. Very good batter. Another yeah. big scalp yeah. in your in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling to fill my cordon now. Fucking Graham hell. Swan was an excellent slipper, but he fielded two. So I could stick him in at first. Yeah, do that. Do I that. trust yeah, him at first. I trust Swanee him can first. go in at first and he'd, yeah. he'd provide some entertainment through the day. Yeah. That's important, actually. That's important yeah. as slip cordon as somebody to keep, you know, keep everyone entertained. I was always a first slipper. It was strange how quickly the slip cordon resulted in just one slip. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and was it still you? <laughs> Yeah, of course it was. I was <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't get people to stand next to me. <laughs> so even even the wicketkeeper was at square leg. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else I've played with. I've, I haven't played with that many amazing good slip fielders. catchers, yeah. I don't think. No, you, you've always got good catchers. Sam Robson's an excellent catcher. He can be my fourth slip. He's an excellent catcher, but he he fields two as well. All the best catchers field at second slip. And then my gully, I don't need a gully. I'll just have four slips. I'll, I'd have dragged a couple down and wouldn't have required a gully. <laughs> I love how I've given you this situation where you're bowling the best spell of your life. And even within that, you've dragged a couple down. <laughs> I mean, can Mark, can Mark Taylor and, and indeed you know, Mark War, a couple of Marks, not get a, a, a slight mention? Joe Root's not bad. Well, I've not played with them, have I? Played with Joe Root. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've not played with Mark Taylor or Mark War. No, I mean, we, that's why I said, you know. I had a piss next to with... him this week, Mark no, Taylor, look, but... Philly, I understood. That's why I said, let's make it players of all time, because you played for Middlesex, and I think it was an unfair question. You got Ollie Rayner in, that was right and good and proper. But after that, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? No, Sam Robson, excellent slipper. Collingwood, excellent. Swan, excellent. Root could have got in there. But I never actually really played with him when he fielded at first slip. He only really moved there when he was captain. So, Alistair Cook was similar, wasn't he? He was a really unnatural first slip to begin with, and he worked really hard at it. And actually, yeah. by the end, he was much, much better. He was yeah. He caught some good ones off me in the end. Yeah. I mean, Stokes was great. Dropped a couple was, was as well. Stokes could be my gully. There you go. Stokes is my gully for go. that one that he took at. Um, at but don't you think Stokes is, is like? Bridge. A, He's a little bit like Mark uh, Mitchell Stock. He's a taker of great catches and not a great catcher. If you look at his stats, he actually drops more than most people, but he takes unbelievably good catches. Like mm. Mitchell Stark bowls absolutely unbelievable balls, but he's, I don't know if he's an unbelievable bowler, if you know well, what I mean. You're a brave man. man. You're, not allowed, you're not allowed to insult Ben Stokes. Everything he does is perfect. I'm not insulting him. Everything he does him. is perfect. Even when he drops take... them. There's a reason he drops them. He's thinking about the greater good. He's thinking about the game of test uh, cricket know, when he drops catches, all right? And I, I, look, I understand he's more perfect than all of us put together. Could ever be, even if we've been made perfect by Mr. Perfect. But, but he does drop some. And, and look, I get your point. He does it so the game can move on. Exactly. He's thinking about he's thinking about the next generation of kids every time he drops a catch. That's what he's thinking yeah. about. Uh, and Finney, very quickly, um, if, if might as well complete the set. Who have you got behind the stumps catching everything off your bowling? Oh, yeah. Um, people that I've played with, John Simpson. Probably he's very good. Yeah, he's a good glove man. He's fantastic. He's brilliant. He yeah. is. He is. He is. I have indeed. played with Such folks a... a couple of times, but yeah, Simos took a lot of catches off me in my career. So. 
think the one of the worst ever selection decisions ever made by England was making James Bracey instead of yeah. at yeah. Lords at Lords of all places. Poor guy, New Zealand, and it's I mean, about three. Absolutely ridiculous. Huh? That was when New Zealand were like the best team in the world as well. Good plan, um, James Bracey. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now let's move on to the women's ashes, which gets underway, where England are going to get some revenge and some retribution for the scenes that happen in the men's ashes at Edgebaston. And uh, Daniel Norcross, yes. it uh, gets underway with a test match, which is very exciting yes. because, you know, recent test history between England and Australia is absolutely superb. Uh, but not only that, a five-day test match, so we won't get another bloody rain-affected draw as well. It's it's huge, and a rare yes. thing's happened here in the world of cricket where the powers that be have listened to common sense and general <laughs> consensus and gone, oh, we'll make it a five-day test match. Isn't it fantastic? I mean, it'll probably end in three and a half now, of course. But uh, as Heather Knight said to me in the corridor at Edgebaston, when the England women's team came, Laura Bell was there as well. And um, she introduced herself to a, all of us in, in the box. It was, a, it, was a, it was a lovely day when the England women came. And they're very much looking forward to playing this five-day test match. But uh, it all will depend on the pitch. And Trent Bridge, I think, could be ideal for them. Because... When you look at great women's test matches in the past, 2013 at Perth is probably the best one. It was quite a fast, bouncy wicket. You look at England's selection, they've got in with one spinner, Sophie Eccleston. Um, they've brought in Filer. Really interested to see what she can do. The talk is that she's quite brisk and bouncy. So they think that the surface has obviously got a bit in it. It's going to have a bit of carry. And they've put in Danny Wyatt instead of Alice Capsey, which is a, a big figure. Izzy Wong not playing instead of Filer. So they obviously think that Filer's just bowling better. I think that 
That's all that is. But Capsi out and Wire in just sort of had a hint of basketball to it, doesn't it? And in the, the England women's A-team scored, I, I should have the exact figure in front of me, it's like 569 in double quick time. Tammy Beaumont got a double hundred. Um, they're warming up like they want to go hard at it. And I think, I don't know, am I being crazy? I, I'm hopeful that Trent Bridge is the perfect wicket for them. Do you remember last year England played New Zealand? New Zealand got 560, England 530, which was part of the reason why people thought, because Stokes won that toss, elected to bowl. It's part of the reason why people thought England might actually bowl first, Stokes would bowl first at Edgebaston, because he preferred to chase. And in a way, sorry to go back to that test, maybe he should have done after all. Although it would have been a crazy decision when we arrived in beautiful sunshine on a brown wicket. Uh, but I think, actually, it might be the way forward for Heather Knight's team. Put Australia in, let them get 400 get 550, put pressure on them. Third innings. They've picked a team to go hard on a road. That's what it looks like. So it could be a really entertaining test match, especially the way England are playing at the moment. It, it, I completely agree. And, it's, and we had Sophia Dunkley on the podcast last week, which if you missed it, go back and listen to that again because she was absolutely brilliant. Um, but she, I asked her what sort of you know John Lewis ball looks like. And she said it's quite similar to Basball, that he has told them to be aggressive, to be positive. I mean, you look back to that test match where Kate Cross blocked out for a draw and you kind of think that it, in this management, under this coach, we would have chased it. We would have given it a go to chase it. And John Lewis... Well, the last, the last test match, the last test match these two sides played together was really exciting. And Australia were a bit shocked by how close England got. And I think what England have done here is pick a team to go hard They've got fit players who want to smash the ball out of the park. And I really like that. And and Filer is the gamble. I mean, I, no one knows, really, how she's going to go. But isn't that fun? It's, it's, and Kate Cross is going to lead the attack. It's going to be great. It's, it's the first test match, of course, without Shrubsole and Silverbrunt. And uh, that will be... An intriguing thing. Echoes that did did Swanee not have a nightmare time at Trembridge, Vinny? I thought when I spoke to Swanee, he said that he hated bowling at Trembridge, even though that was his county. Yeah, I, Trembridge typically back in the day was a bit of a seamer's paradise, wasn't it? And lots of green grass on it. But I think since they built that stand and since the drainage has been put in, it's been a lot drier and a lot slower. So yeah, I think Eccleston's going to have some joy on that, I would imagine. I'd be surprised if she didn't. I mean, she she can bowl teams out on anything, can't she, really? But I'd imagine if it's dry. I saw a picture from afar of the pitch, and it looks pretty green and grassy. And if a groundsman's doing that, it suggests to me that they're a bit worried about how dry it is underneath. So it might give the perception that there's green live grass on it, but actually underneath it will be dry, and England will be hoping that... Sophie Eccleston can take advantage of that, I think. So, so, so bowl the shit out of it either way, because Australia will probably elect a bat because they like to do that forever. Mm. And England can go in, bowl and do the chase thing. Well, it's going to be absolutely superb. Sorry, I'm suddenly sitting in darkness because yeah. I've got What's one of those... On? I've got Great a Blair Witch. I've put, in Blair a, Witch. I've put in a dimmer energy-saving light bulb in the bloody spare room and it just flickers because, I mean, it's great that I'm saving the planet at all, but those energy-saving light bulbs, a lot of them are a crock of shit and this is one of them. So I'm now just sitting here in pretty much darkness because at least it stops it flickering. Um, but it gets why underway. Don't you, why, don't you, why don't you purchase some luminous toads? A friend of mine did that and he said it was 
but more eco-friendly and it was uh, more light yeah, as in actual toads yeah luminous toads yeah weirdly I, I haven't thought about that but i'll tell you what I'll, I'll try a new light bulb first and then next next i'll try luminous toads uh that well it gets a... out of harry potter yeah is it what are those the Just toads Google that... them. have you not jesus christ are they the toads that if you lick you get really I mean, high you're in... no are those no. cane toads yeah, I mean, I look. I don't think that you wouldn't get something out of licking a luminous toad, but you wouldn't get much. Oh, I'm googling them yeah. now. They're beautiful. They are gorgeous, aren't they? Yeah, and there you can go. pick them up three for a tenner, I think. Oh, they're a bargain. Yeah, yeah, they're they're in Australia though, and I I don't want to see any Australians for the next six weeks, and I don't have to. Well, I swear, actually, now you mentioned, I suppose the carbon footprint of flying them from Australia <laughs> yeah, probably... it's probably especially free for a tenner. I'll be getting them shipped over every week. I'm not going to forget to feed them. Oh, fuck it. Send free more over. Right. Well, the, the England's, the England's women's ashes gets underway. Probably while you're listening to this, Thursday the 22nd of June, they're starting with a test match, then free 2020s, and then free ODIs. But come on, England. If we could do a double over Australia this summer, it would just be the best summer ever. And nothing sums up, really, the women's game more than the fact that Danny Wyatt is making her debut in tests for England. Aged 32, having played 245 white ball games for England, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, coming was England, back, what's England male equivalent of that? Do you think that could ever happen? I mean, who's played shitloads of ODI cricket for the men's team, but might just get anything England tested? I mean, he really. Tested. Roy was probably in the last series. Roy, maybe. yeah, Roy. yeah, yeah, Roy. But he yeah, has played Roy, Roy was probably the last. He's on nowhere near 245, but Tamal Mills. Livingston's, Livingston's got a test, hasn't he, now? Livingston's got a test. Tamal Lewis Mills. Gregory. No, he wouldn't have played that many games. Yeah, Tamal Mills. Tamal Mills. Not bad shout. Like that. Yeah. Alex Worf. There you go. There's a name. <laughs> He's <laughs> did... my best friend's stepbrother. Oh, well, you know, Good that, umpire, we... actually, Alex Worf. I like the fact that he's an umpire. There's not enough like recent ex-players umpiring. I like it very, very much. But Finney, talking there about um, Swanee at Trent Bridge. So, what are your uh, what are your favourite grounds where you if you if I told you Finney, you need to take five, Edge Baston. Edge Baston. Yeah. Well, you, you and we saw it more. this week. The the crowd and everything getting behind you. It just carries you in. It's an amazing ground for the atmosphere. It's no wonder that. England choose to play the first test of an Ashes series. The atmosphere this week at times was electric. Oh, was um, and yeah, if you could wrap up a wicket and a crowd to go with me for the rest of my life, it'd be 2015 Ashes on day three, I think it was, against Australia. And they loved your efforts so much at Edgebaston that when I was there, I saw that you are, they've put your picture on a men's toilet door. I'm on a toilet. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Yeah, which congratulations. It's, it's a life-size fiddy as well. It is. It's, it's a bigger. massive. I think it's bigger than life-size. It's huge. It's, yeah, it's huge. it was that, well, yeah, you're quite huge. But it, it was nice. Yeah, it, it, was it was nice enormous. seeing you every time that I went. Yeah. It, was, it was quite the experience. And the obvious next question after that, Finney, was what ground would you least like to bowl on every week? Um, what didn't I enjoy bowling on? I... Lord's Hove. No, no, no. I love both those places. Um, yeah, yeah. I Headingley. I'm not a big fan of Headingley. Oh, never have oh. been. I've never really played well there. It's more of a swing. more of a swingers swingers place. I feel Headingley. Not, well, I've played a few Test matches there. That was the scene of the Graham Smith kneeing the stump actually as well. Uh, oh, yeah. hello. Here we go. Um, Here we go. It all comes back to Graham that, Smith. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say Headingley, definitely, actually. 
Joe, I get that as well because it's a really annoying pitch because everyone and it's in Leeds. And Leeds has got some very good places. I, I did have a slightly unfortunate. Yes, I, I, I had a slightly them. unfortunate moment when I was desperate for a drink because we were late leaving, and I demanded that Henry Moran and I go straight to the nearest bar, and we did. And um, I ordered a bottle of wine. I drank sort of three quarters of it in about twenty-five minutes, and then it became clear that. It was a gay bar. Well, there's nothing wrong with being a gay bar, but people assumed that Henry Moran was my boyfriend and um, they kept on trying to nick him. And this was, I don't well, know, well, I felt a little bit awkward about it because well, I, I felt like I needed to protect my partner who wasn't actually my partner. Well, I think actually, first of all, you should take the compliment, Henry Moran, you know, good looking chap. I did uh, actually. I took the compliment. Take the compliment well, I, yeah. that they thought that was there the was any man, chance yeah. that you could land Henry. Um, I know. But, uh, yeah. but, Secondly, Henry Moran should definitely take the compliment because I uh, went to a gay nightclub in Liverpool with my good friend Sarah. Uh, she was meeting some friends in there and I went on a night of her in a gay bar in Liverpool and uh, not a single man looked at me the entire evening. Not a mm. peep. And I, and I walked not out there. Not that surprising, to be honest. Well, I just thought maybe there'd be someone out there for me. And um... Mate, When your back goes into your hamstrings, I don't think you've got any chance. <laughs> no, I don't. You needed, to bring, you needed to bring Henry Moran. And you I should have done. You would have, you would have stood a chance of double dating. I mean, they'd yeah. have both been going for Henry, but they'd have used you as, what you know, whichever one lost would get you. <laughs> and very, very, very finally, because there was a discussion of the Zero Ducks given whatsapp group this week because the men's international cricket venues have been announced all the way up until the year 2031 and i was delighted to see that trent bridge my favorite ground in the country has got oh. a test match in 2027 and i messaged the whatsapp group saying that trent bridge is the best ground in the country i just think it's beautiful i think edgebaston for atmosphere but just all-round package. I love Trent Bridge. And I said, Finney, what are the best grounds in the country ranked? A sort of top five. Now, obviously, Finney, the best in the world is Hove. Obviously. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose your former hunting ground, Lords, is second. Yeah. Okay. So taking Hove and a sort of Lords out of the equation, if you could list the sort of, sort of unofficial top five English county grounds for us, please. Top five unofficial English county grounds. I like Old Trafford. I think Old Trafford's an excellent cricket ground. The players' facilities are very good. Oh. Um, I need this cat. Oh, what are you doing? It's not. It's not Ethel. It's Elizabeth. I want to be it's quite Elizabeth, clear about this. Yeah. And Elizabeth, we don't care for Elizabeth. She's. I mean, she has a grumpy mien. Splodges. She's the, got. She the, looks like she's been hit with a frying pan. Yeah, she, she does, does a bit. She's. Yeah. She's got the opposite face to Finney on that toilet door. She I doesn't mean, look. Let's not be nasty to her. No, she's a cat, all right. I mean, she didn't choose she, to be bred you, this way. You started it. I'm well, just watching the highlights the here, yes. and Nathan Lyons just played that on drive. Oh, it's, it's a ridiculous shot. shot. Stop watching the highlights, Stop. Finney. Stop. You're one of the people Christ. that slows down for a car crash, Finney. Stop watching. Um, oh, what, this was the moment when the most appalling thing ever happened. Yeah, yeah come on. It. You're like one of those people that watches yeah. zits get popped on YouTube. Uh, come on. Didn't lose three two. Come on, quickly. We've got to wrap this podcast up play the wicket you're going to replay the wicket over and over again oh look oh and there it is he's, he's bowling to the set mate it's it's root he's on strike and he's two to win the ashes at the oval look i'm with, terrified with that the dog i'm dog sitting is going to shit in the house so we need to wrap this up so finish yep. edgebaston old trafford bail yep edgebaston one old trafford two and i have a 
particular soft spot for is it Worcester I don't mind Worcester I've only played one game there really one first class game Northampton took you 14 wickets no Northampton is <laughs> the worst I'd rather play yeah Northampton Grace Road Chelmsford yeah, it's lovely no. though. you get lots of wickets at Chelmsford no not Ken. Scarborough. No. Not. Uh, do you know what? I, I don't mm. mind Scarborough for the wicket. No, I bet you don't. It, yeah. it, it's miles away. You don't really like it. You like the test ones, don't you? Don't you like any of those smaller, more county ones, do you? You're a, you're a test man. You're a test Well, ball. no one likes Derby. I mean, that pitch no is way. absolutely flat as fuck, isn't it? No, what's the I, do you know what? I I quite like Cardiff. There we go. What? Edgebaston, <laughs> Old Trafford, Cardiff. Cardiff! I like Cardiff. <laughs> and you know the best thing of all this is I've got to say goodbye and Daniel Norcross, he never even said the Oval, which is wonderful. Uh, oh, so I'll, I'll leave you with that. Lovely to see you both and speak to you soon. Yakida. Farewell. <laughs>